Matthew Lillard boys. We're the Matthew boys now. Yeah, that's the that's the new show. Definitely. Matthew boys. Yeah. Charting the rise and fall and re-rise of Matthew Lillard because he does all right for himself now, doesn't he? Yeah, Shaggy is uh, Shaggy's a good gig. That's a solid gig. That that's a tight gig right there. He is officially Shaggy. I mean, that's an honor. Yeah, it, uh, it, it's an honor, and and he's never gonna want for work because that that shows Scooby Doo's gonna be around forever. Uh, yeah, I think Scooby Doo's gonna be a big hit. Um, <laughs> poor Matthew. How did we do? Like, I've got to say, like, we didn't do this on purpose. I did not know Matthew Lillard was in. In the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale, which is the movie we're talking about today, uh, and the movie we talked about in the last episode, Wing Commander, also featured Matthew Lillard. Very the different key, Matthew Lillards. Very well, very different intent. Yeah, but still really obnoxious. But at least in this one, it's on purpose. Yes. That was the big problem with Wing Commander, was they basically took the obnoxious Matthew Lillard from Scream and said, you're supposed to like it this time. (laughs) Whereas in Scream, he is awesome because he is playing a character who is an asshole. Right. Whereas in Wing Commander, he is being an asshole while playing a character who we're supposed to like and identify with. Uh, And that didn't work. And in this... Let's just say his accent steals the show. It's the best accent I've ever heard. And hats off to him for being the only man in the film to attempt one. Because otherwise, the Kingdom of Ebb, there's no real regional accent at all. Well, it's... There are French people and American accents and British people, and they're all hanging out, and there's no... There's no sense of cultural unity outside of Uverbol saw Lord of the Rings. Yeah, there's no there's no cohesion whatsoever. No. Uh, Jason Statham <laughs> who has no place in this or or indeed most fantasy films his his voice is <laughs> mumbly kind of gravel thing that he does. He does that thing, yeah. Oh, I'm Jason Statham. I'm gonna drive a car for you. I've got to have sex, or my art will die. When when you when you're first introduced to him, you're also introduced to the idea that he came from another place <laughs> and grew up in this community. And I'm like, then why does he sound like that? With his British accent, <laughs> it's his deep British accent. When his best friend who lives next door is Ron Perlman, who. <laughs> Who awkwardly says at one point to a child, Give me the chicken! Rawr! I have a great gif of that. <laughs> I have a great gif of that. Oh, yes, you've been sharing gifs. Um, yes. Yeah, after this, after Conrad watched this, he immediately messaged me with a gif of Matthew Lillard dressed up in his Ren Fair costume, having a temper tantrum. Uh, what was the budget for this film? Remind me again. Uh, this was a $60 million film. I think, how much of that do you think was Burt Reynolds's paycheck? Did I mention Burt Reynolds is in this film? Like, this is... What okay. is this film? <laughs> that's, that's kind of the amazing, like... For a movie that sucks as much as 
this does. Oh, and it does suck. It does suck. You would expect, just on the basis of they threw so much money and got these, this strain, this motley crew. It's a, it's a, it's a, a star-studded cast. Of very respect. They're all very respectable actors. It I love Ron Perlman. The, you know, the twilight or in a down period of their careers. You know, so they weren't, you know, really at, at the top of their game. Nobody in this. It was, it was a quiet period. 2008, was it, I think? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think Around it was about finally there. released. Yeah, in the U.S. Um, and so, but, but they're all big names that were big names not that long before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a rundown, uh, just off the top of my head, we've got Ray Liotta. Who is just again Ray Liotta, very much like Jason Statham. I don't buy him in a fantasy film. No, no, it doesn't. It, Not it, at all. I and and uh, the role he's in is the only role that I could see Ray Liotta playing in a fantasy film. Yeah, yeah. But that's that doesn't excuse it. No, he doesn't work in a fantasy film. Like uh, you, you look at the really shit Dungeons and Dragons movie. Well, and again, they they the had what's deal. his face? Yeah. Um, oh, what's his face? The the British Uncle Scar, Jeremy Irons. Yes, that's it. Yes, Jeremy Irons. Irons. I don't know why I forgot his name. And he's chewing like that's the kind of guy you want. Yeah. Like I'd have taken them like like wheeling out Ben Kingsley again before Ray Liotta, because Ben Kingsley will phone it in and be boring. But but his boring is at least you'd buy it. Yeah. Ray Liotta is just jarring, as is Jason Statham. Uh, Ron Perlman works. But Ron Perlman can do this kind of stuff. Yeah, easily. Ron Perlman, basically you can put him in any film as a, as a rugged character and he'll do fine. Burt Reynolds is the king. No, scratch that. Burt Reynolds is the king with his own fucking ninja squad. Uh, yeah. That... That was weird. That's weird. That was weird. But but those are your principal cast. Uh, there are women in it, but it's an Uwe Boll film, so they don't do much. Well, there's Lily Sobieski is in it. Yeah, uh, Sobieski is in it. And, and, and She's done some work. who, again, had, you know, was pretty notable at one point. And now, again, just sort of, uh, we have, uh, in, a, in a significantly smaller role, um, yes. Christana. Um, Christana. Chris, Christana Loken? Loken? Loken, yeah. Loken. Um, uh, who, of course, we yeah. know from Blood Rain. She was Blood Rain, um, and we, we've still got Blood Rain 2 to look forward to at some point uh. in the future. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over and, and John Reese davies who um, yes. does, a, does a ton of... of just He's all, also one of those actors who will just do work. He was goddamn fucking Gimli. Yeah. Gimli from he went from actual Lord of the Rings yeah. to this what is clearly a cheap knockoff of Lord of the Rings. He started a knockoff of his own film, which is wonderful. And then of course you got Christiana Loken, who is at this point I'd count her in in what I what I would call Bowles little stable. He has a little stable of actors. Uh, one of which is the guy whose name I've forgotten that I like who was the main star of Postal, and another guy who we've seen... I don't know if we've seen him yet. Well, he's, uh, there's another guy in this that also does um, multiple ball films. 
Right. But um, yeah, it's got a little staple. Um, one of the other ones, he, he was the main star of Rampage, which is a movie we won't be covering because it's not video games, but it's actually the only Uwe Boll film I'd actually go to bat for. And say yeah. it's it's not a great movie, but it's it's the one bowl movie that I sat and watched and, and was like, okay, that's this is actually interesting and is trying to do things. Yeah, I've heard that. And I I haven't watched it myself. I, I may at some point get round to it. Um they, there's like two sequels to it, or they did one sequel and he wanted to do another and couldn't get the money. Yeah, I heard of a sequel. I'm I'm I probably never watched that. Because I'm yeah. sure it'll just ruin the goodwill. Um, and, and Uwe Boll's a nasty little man. I just got just for the record, he's just a nasty little man. He does seem, yeah, I, I, I he just seems deeply, deeply unpleasant. Yeah, you, I, I recommend like if anyone ever feels sorry for him when he his, his movies get bagged on, I would recommend looking at his YouTube channel. Yes, and looking yes. at his little nasty little rants. Just um, slagging too. off other people in the business and stuff. Petulant, uh, definitely. Um, yeah, like it, he is this clown of a figure that's almost adorable, and then when you get past that, there's just this horrible little skeleton underneath that's just biting and snapping. Uh, not, not a great man. Um, no, no. I think so- we've significantly uh, done a great job of clouding just how little we know about Dungeon Siege as a video game series. Well, yeah, that's. I was just about to bring that up because like, I I haven't played any of them. Um, I don't know if I have really mentioned this enough that people fully understand the extent. I loathe fantasy. <laughs> like, I just am not into it. <laughs> Uh, and so I never... You sent me a message of sorts when you were writing notes for the the movie, just sending messages, uh, something along the lines of, fan- why is fantasy so fucking boring? It's, it is, it's just, uh, it really, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of times, you know, just, you've seen it all before, because they, it almost all just sort of folds itself into a, a Tolkien-like mold. And it's hard to break away from Tolkien. Some it is. Some fantasy does does it well. Um, I, I always recommend Joe Abercrombie's books. I always mm. recommend The Blade itself as a a fantasy that that really breaks the trend. And of course, yeah. Game of Thrones broke away by being more political intrigue. So you do get some fantasy that breaks away, but more often than not, and especially when we're looking at the kind of B and C and D movies that we look at here, yeah, they are. It's it's like why bother? I think is is what they feel. Why bother trying to break away from the the method that worked? Right, and so my and my my attitude to that is like, well, then why am I bothering watching your movie? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, uh, dun- uh, in the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale. Um, really lays it on thick, especially at the beginning, where with the music, the music is so s- almost sleazily designed to uh, evoke memories of Lord of the Rings in the hopes that you'll remember that that film was good and then think this film was good. And so where where Dungeon Siege is concerned, the only experience I have with the game series is that uh, for a... When the game was coming out, the board game shop that I managed was right next door to an EB Games. And I would hear over their televisions the fucking advertisement 
for Dungeon Siege and how it was like the second goddamn coming of Christ in a barbarian outfit. <laughs> um, I, and I hear so I, I've heard the game's good. Like it certainly did well enough to to spawn two sequels I didn't play. Yeah, yeah. Um, my experience is a little bit better. <laughs> Uh, not in a way that fans of Dungeon Siege will like. Because I remember the shit I got for giving a 7 to Dungeon Siege 3, because I liked it well enough. And apparently it is an awful travesty on the series. And that's the only one I've played. I'm sorry, folks. (laughs) I never played Dungeon Siege 1 or 2, uh, but I ended up, back when I worked at Destructoids, I got a review code for Dungeon Siege 3, and I was like, well... Ain't no one else gonna do it, so I I did it, and I was like, "This is good." It's it's a, uh, I mean, it was a little. I don't even think it was all that expensive. It might not have been, um, but it just as this quick RPG hack and slash loot em up kind of thing, it was all right. But apparently, it was you know nothing compared to the the original and everything. People well, and really weren't fond of it. It came. If I'm remembering correctly, it came at a time when there was... Was this post-Baldur's Gate? Uh, oh, maybe. Um, are Wait, you talking I, about the, the original game? or The Dungeon original Dungeon Siege, Siege yeah. Uh, I, I want, I, I want to know. say that was 2001 or 2002. And you know, we were also, I think, seeing, you know, like Hunter the Reckoning. And there was a more focus on this sort of top-down... Um, unit. Two thousand two. Well, yeah, two thousand two for the first Dungeon Siege. And so and and I, so the thing that they were really really making a big deal out of with Dungeon Siege, as I remember, was the intelligence of the teammates, your partners, and how they right. could you know they they would make good decisions as to to how to deal with enemies and and they, you didn't have to manage, didn't have to micromanage them. And that they'd be effective. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Actually, now that I think about it, I just wanted—I I, I had nothing to say about Dungeon Siege. Yeah. And, and I feel like I need to. Uh... Well, the thing is, no matter what our experience is, it's gonna be better than Uber Balls. Yeah. So it it doesn't matter too much that That's... you never like. We could have never heard of Dungeon Siege before the film. Right, but I and I think we'd have got just as much out of it. I think it's worth noting that, like, I have no idea how it compares to the the lore of Dungeon Siege or that setting, you know, this movie. I don't know if it's telling a story that already exists in the lore of Dungeon Siege in some respect, and it's adapted. I don't know if the places are in any way accurate or the races. Or I, I, yeah, I did, some, I did some cursory research, mostly because the enemies in Dungeon Siege look like the, um, the Putty Patrol from Power Rangers. <laughs> That's how they behave, and they all look like they're made out of shit. So I, uh, I looked up the Krug, and then I, I did some reading, and there is some... Uh, they got uh, some bits uh, correct. The uh, Kingdom of Ebb mm-hmm. is 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 the setting. Uh, the Krug are uh, uh, a main enemy in the f- at least the first game. In Dungeon Siege Three, they're not around. Uh, it's implied that they uh, 
went extinct because of their culture of of their inability to adapt and evolve and everything. Um, so they're there. Uh, what else is there? The, the main character being just called Farmer um, is is true to the game, and that kind of works in a game. In a movie, when you're constantly calling Jason Statham Farmer, yeah. it just sounds weird and shit. But uh, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think we've talked enough about that. Yeah, and we should get on with the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is a two-hour movie. Fuck. And we normally go twice as long as the movies. Fuck. We're not doing a four-hour podcast. We're not. I don't. If, if you if no. you look over there at that timer right now, and it says four hours, and you're about to make some witty fucking comment about that, just stop. Yeah, because we won't want to hear it. If this goes if this goes longer than two hours, I'm gonna be upset. So I I want to try and keep this under. Um. So, so let's, let's get on with it. Yeah. Let's go. We open with Ray Liotta. I watched the actors act, and now with some tact, I give to you a movie boy fact. Oh, boy. I made, wow. a, I made a yeah. little song up on the spot. Yeah, I like that. I did You're that just as I was getting up. some water, yeah. Um, so I got a fact for you. This movie's fucking shit. <laughs> That's the one and only fact. Amazon X-Ray had none. It just told me who the actors were, and I didn't need to know that because I saw Matthew Lillard and I laughed. And then I got sad for the rest of the film. Yeah, it is a lot of sadness. Matthew, yeah, Matthew Lillard looked hilarious eating that chicken leg. He did look and, funny and eating the chicken leg. I need to make a gif of that. Yeah, we, we're going to make a little gif. We'll post it somewhere on our social media, um, and you can look at it. <laughs> So, all right, so we open right. with Ray Liotta in bed with Lily Sobieski, yeah. which, um, right off the bat, ew. Mm-hmm. Um, also, having... you, hmm? uh, just to um, uh, reiterate a point you made to me yesterday, we're dispensing with character names this oh, time. Oh, yeah, I'm not we? even fucking bothering. Like, screw your dumbass fantasy names. There is going to be one point very briefly here where I'm going to point out a character's name just because this is the first time we as a viewer hear that name, but we don't... Uh, you'll see. Yeah. All right, so they're having some secret tryst and developing her powers, which is not explained and therefore no. just comes off as a euphemism. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot in this film where there are scenes that they just happen. Yeah. Like, there's there are character introduction scenes like, that are, is, like, 30 seconds long. It has to be made clear. You get some credits over black, all right? In so many of these movies, we get narration or some kind of introduction or, you know, just a little something to grab onto before it thrusts you in. And while yeah. I hate that shit and wish it didn't exist, it does serve a vital purpose in that maybe some of this would make some fucking sense. Yeah. It's better than nothing, which right. is what this film does. Right. So, uh, yeah, so they're, having, they're developing her powers. That's not explained. Uh, and, yeah. and Ray is also probably sucking the life out of her. Maybe. Maybe. And Maybe he puts his dick in and then he's like Rogue from X-Men, but it's through his dick. We don't know. But they're he, having sex and she's got powers. And he's encouraging her to keep this relationship that they have from her father. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to John Rice Davies, 
<laughs> Somewhere in the wilderness. Damning Galleon. Okay, now Galleon is Ray Liotta's character. Yeah, it's but called Galleon. we don't know that. Because his name hasn't been said at all yet. And it hasn't been said in a context that connects them. Yeah. This is another one of those movies that relies on the audience having seen similar movies. Yes. So they understand the tropes that are being used. Uh, it's one of those films. I've talked about this on previous spin-off Doctors before. Um, it's a movie that you understand only because you understand how fantasy movies work. And I'm just, I'm just wondering if, like, as they're editing this together, right? Yeah. If, in, if, if they edited it at all. Well, I mean, there are cuts. There are things that were clearly shot in different places. Yeah. <laughs> it would yeah. actually be way more impressive if they shot it with one camera on a soundstage contiguously. <laughs> I'd watch that twice. <laughs> Those aren't wipes. They're literally going from one scene to the next. <laughs> Two hours. Of, of just Uber Bowl holding a handy cam. Just, just like shouting, just, Matthew, get that chicken and eat it. I'm going to film you doing that now. And Bert Reynolds, keep your crowd on. I need you. <laughs> Where are Bert Reynolds' ninjas? We have to get this shot. I'm not, I'm not cutting a single thing. This is the acoustic version of filmmaking. I can, I can see in the editing room. Uva just being, okay, so we go from Ray Liotta and Lily in the bed, and then we go to Jean Rhys Dave, and assuming that the audience will just be like, oh, that's her father, because we, they were just talking about her, so that's going to work. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was, was, was John Rhys Davis yes. uh, her father? Yes. Did you not get that? She wasn't Burt Reynolds' daughter. No, she was not. No, because Farmer. Right. Later, and, and she is John Reese. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, right that, now, that's not really communicated in the film. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't get, I didn't pick that up. Yeah. 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 Over, so, over when you edit films. <laughs> right. You should. You should introduce characters and make it make sense and let me know who they are. Because this movie has one scene in which Matthew Lillard and Burt Reynolds are introduced in a scene where nothing happens for 30 seconds and then it does something else. And it does this a lot. It keeps cutting to things just to remind us they exist or just to briefly say, this is a character in my film. And then it goes back to Jason Statham with his fucking boomerang. So we, so we got John Reese davies out in the wilderness, and, and he turns into mist. And <laughs> the mist travels into this, I don't know, like, building or something. <laughs> and, and, it, and he reforms, and he's in these tunnels that, and he, that he looks down on, and they're filled with what I guess is an army of some kind. Like, no context given. No, no. information just it made it doubly hilarious when later on short not not long from now a man describes what he was fighting and said they fight with swords 
like it was a huge revelation. And I'm sat there thinking, what else would they fight with? Because it's not explained efficiently that the enemies were not supposed to fight with swords at that point. They explain it later. Yeah. That these things are like, you know, not advanced enough. Yeah, they're like like beasts and they've suddenly started organising. But they don't explain that before they start talking about the shock of them having swords. And I'm like, they look like fucking orcs. Right, yeah. What else would they fight with? They're fucking orcs. Hey, let's go to a farm where Jason Statham is pulling root vegetables with a little boy and scaring crows with a boomerang. <laughs> and then Rod it's Perlman It's funny because it happens. <laughs> Rod Perlman then shows Rod up. Perlman shows up with a pig. Hey, he's got a pig on a leash! I forgot about that! I wanted to specifically talk about Ron Perlman is introduced. Walking a pig like a dog! He's here to trade the pig for some... Fucking idiot! Something or other. Yeah, which is sad, because it was really adorable at first. I'm like, oh, Ron Perlman's got a pet pig. Oh, no, he's going to trade it so that Jason Statham can hit it with a boomerang and make sausages for his boy. And then he tries to convince Jason Statham to join the army because it pays well. <laughs> they all have dinner with Jason Statham's wife, Claire Forlani. Mm-hmm. During uh, which we learn that Jason Statham was, to some extent, raised by Ron Perlman. Yeah, but but still maintained a very thick London accent. <laughs> this is also the scene in which Ron Perlman, um, I guess, trying to be funny or like showing us that they're fun friends and family goes to the boy give me the chicken Rawr. and and it's very odd i have and a it phenomenal was a, gif of that also i'm looking forward to seeing that one yeah that's um, a good one this was when i tweeted out overball has a unique talent for taking good actors and making them shit because Ron Perlman, who I love, like, I've got to say, like, I, I adore Ron Perlman. I think he's a fantastic actor. I love watching him in almost anything. I love watching him in Alien Resurrection. And Alien Resurrection. That's a bold statement, sir. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've gone to bat. I've, I've done a movie defense force on Alien Resurrection before. Um, I do find it uh, an eminently watchable film, but it is, it is a bad film. And Ron Perlman does a great job in it. He has been in some utter shit. Yep. And he's always done decent. Uwe Boll manages to suck the charisma out of everyone. Um, I think the only one in this film who actually manages to, to pull off a what I would call a performance is Matthew Lillard, who is still really, really, really hampered by Uwe Boll's direction. But, but yeah, Ron Perlman in this movie is absolute dross. He is boring, he is dull, he comes across as awkward, and I don't think any of it is his fault. And, and I, I think he, well, he's, yeah. So here's the Come. thing about this scene and, and this, uh, you know, the give me the chicken moment, is that it is the first in a series of sequences that are intended to convey the family fun adventure element <laughs> i'm just seeing how long i can keep this gif on my screen <laughs> while doing the show i've just um conrad sent me a gif of ron perlman just going arr, 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 arr. <laughs> with his fucking chi- what is it with this film and chicken 
I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't. Oh, um, this film is about just being sloppy with chicken. But uh, yeah, it's uh, this is like a, it's supposed to be a light comic relief moment, and and there are a few others, and because they wanted to, I, does Lord of the Rings do this? I haven't seen Lord of the Rings. You haven't seen Lord of the Rings? No, no, haven't they, seen it. I they're read good. The, I read the books. I said, I never have to deal with that again, and I never watched the movies. I'm told they're good. I believe that they're good. But, yeah, I like them. Brad Riff is awesome in them. Yeah, but so, uh, but I, I expect that it, you know, it, it is a movie because well-made movies do this that introduce these moments of sort of comic relief and making the characters uh, connect with each other and connect with the audience in a light and, and humanizing manner, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's what this is supposed to be. It's alien yeah. and weird. It is. It really is. Like, like, and it doesn't get better at any of the other moments in this. But I just no. wanted to make sure to point out that, like, this is, this is what it's trying to accomplish. It's, it is actually attempting to accomplish something that good movies do and and should include. Yeah, that that it is. It's it's specifically. Self-defeating when your attempts to humanize the protagonists come off as creepy. Right. Creepy and forced, like they're weird little automatons or something. I, I, so after dinner, Jason Statham and Claire Forlani make love after reinforcing the false narrative that all women want is some passion in their lives. Um, that's not <laughs> true. Not true at all. Some of them just want to read a book. Yep. Some of them never <laughs> want you to touch them. The next morning, Claire Florilani and the kid leave for Fantasy Village to sell the crops. Yep, they're they're off to the Shire. Yep. Uh, with the Lord of the Rings music that's been changed just enough to not legally get in trouble. Lots of whistling. Uh, it's we, a village. Uh, we learn that Jason Statham's name is Jason Statham because he believes that people become what they do. <laughs> His, yeah, just, it's honestly, the film's a lot easier, I find these films easier to follow when you just use the actor names, or we give them a name, like if, if we call Jason Satham Dungeon Siege or something. Um, but, but, but just to, yeah, we really need the, the, the listeners need to know this if you've not seen the film. Very much like the original Dungeon Siege, he's called Farmer, because he's a farmer. And everyone, including close friends and enemies who are trying to sound badass and cool, will call him Farmer. <laughs> it doesn't work. No. In a vi- there are things you can get away with in a video game. Yep. That you can't get away with when actual human people with human faces that you're seeing saying words have to <laughs> say the words. First of all, they have to remain straight-faced saying it. Mm-hmm. The uh, the greatest example of someone having to keep a straight face while while saying utter shit to me is um the second Riddick film. Mm. Um, I forget what I think the main bad guys are called Necromongers, and the ability of the characters to say Necromonger like they're not embarrassed is yeah. 
acting talent I've never seen before or since. And sadly, it's not replicated here because none of these people are selling me on Farmer. At a castle, Matthew Lillard's eating a chicken leg like a pig. <laughs> yeah, he is like in that chicken. Oh, but you know, I, you know I, something I skipped this uh, this whole them going off to the fantasy village scene, right? Yes. Um, it as they as they end this scene, and I have a gif of this too, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know, the the boy says just the most saccharine bullshit, trite, cliche. Well, I'm glad farmers in our lives now. Or, <sighs> oh. And then the mom kisses the forehead and the child rests its head on her shoulder as they look off into this. This is how a movie's supposed to end, Uva. <laughs> I've seen films. I've seen them do this. We, we put this there. Then they know that they are very much in love. Right, it should, and it should, goes should, on forever. Yeah, could, could I maybe chop this scene down a little bit, Uva? No, nine, nine. We, we won't be doing that. <laughs> this, this is called pacing. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it's it's bad pacing technically. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's good pacing. It's um, you you spend time with this character, and also film become two hour long. So Matthew Lillard's okay, well, eating his chicken leg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't uncle, even know it was him at first because no, he was like so deep in it. Like He's deep in it and, and he's he's got this beard mustache thing. Yeah. That and only he's got his evil head. characters in movies like this have. Yeah. His head is like shorn or like like the way I have it when, when I get it done. Right. Um, so it's hard to recognize him until you see his sort of wild eyes and stupid Yeah, once grin. he looks up, once he gets out of that sloppy chicken. <laughs> and his uncle, King Burt Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it is so hard not to laugh every time yeah. you say King Burt Reynolds. Like, Burt Reynolds this is, is a one lot of, those... of things, right? Yeah. And I have a tremendous respect for Burt Reynolds, both Love as, Reynolds. as a, an action, you know, like... Guy and as a drama performer in a yeah. lot of things, like I love Burt. And uh, his his sort of more um, self-deprecating comedic turns he does these days. Yeah. Um. He he actually he used to star in a bunch of UK commercials for a uh, uh, eyeglasses store called Specsavers. I think it was Specsavers. Um. It was like you know affordable glasses, uh, and he was awesome in those. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he is great, and he can sell a great many things. But as Conrad's about to say, he's not a king. He ain't no king. <laughs> he can't he can't make a king happen. Patrick Stewart can make a king happen. Yes. Uh, Ian McKellen. Obviously, you have to say that name after you say Patrick Stewart, uh, and vice versa. Could be a king. Jeremy Irons again. Has um, and, you know. Yeah. Has and will always be a king in ev- in a lot of things. Uh, he was king of lions once. Uh, and, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but he's, Burt Reynolds, dressed up like a king, not doing anything other than just being Burt Reynolds. Yeah, he's He doesn't he's carry detached. himself regally. He's, he's lacon- laconic, right? He's just... Mm-hmm. 
just there. He's just sort of existing. And he's like passively amused at everything that's going on around him for the most part. Yes, yes. I've got to say in this first scene, I thought he was a bad guy. It was shot and filmed and he had what looked like a, a greasy little henchman in Matthew Lillard. And he seemed so detached from everything going on. I'm like, is this an evil king? Is this evil King Burt Reynolds? And the scene is so short and so lacking in introduction of who these people are that I had no clue what this scene was trying to accomplish. Um, so King Burt Reynolds is trying to imagine the two of them not being related. And this report arrives that an army of armed Krug killed off a scouting party. And this is uh, shocking. Matthew Lillard stops eating his chicken long enough to say that it's preposterous that Krug would use weapons. Yeah. And this is supposed to convey that they are this sort of animalistic race. I, I can see where you would look at all of the pieces, and if you watch it like four or five times, as I often do. <laughs> it's like, I got it. I, I, I did get it yeah. once they started hammering home. But the initial exchange of they fought with swords is such a dumb line to begin introdu- introducing the Krug. Yes. Because we've seen them already. They look like orcs. Well, but you it see makes them from sense. such a distance, too, that like I couldn't make out what the fuck they were doing. They're just marching through tunnels, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I but, but marching are. all the same. Yeah. Like, like... Again, like, this is a film that relies on you knowing fantasy tropes already. Right. So, so you, you see, see the army. And I think orcs. Yeah. Yeah, you think, okay, they're, they're, they're rucking, they're, they're gearing up for a, a scuffle outside Helm's Deep or something. So when the first line about them is they fought us with swords, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? And then they explain. It's like, like maybe explain first. Maybe introduce the Krug already as an animalistic thing. Um, have yeah. some shots of them fighting these, you know, beast-like ravagers. And then suddenly one comes swinging out with a sword and, and they're like, what the fuck? Like, like, over. Now, I don't know if you're listening. Um, you, I, well, I'd imagine so. What else has he got to do? Well, he may have seen something shiny outside and went to chase it. Uh, but, but from me to you, right... First of all, you can have that idea for free that I just did that made your movie better. Second, do more things like that, like actually introducing things. Because that way, we get a better understanding of what's going on. Uh, what do you think of that? Nine, nine, my movie is good. I, I, I did it. They, they fought with swords. That is shocking. Back in Fantasy supposed Village. To. If, you, if you read the Dungeon Siege Wikipedia... It says that they don't do the things they're doing in this film. Back at the fantasy have... village. <laughs> Sorry. Claire, Claire Forlani starts selling her shit. And then we go back to the farm where Jason Statham's <laughs> chopping wood. And he has an, unhe- an, an uneasy feeling and hears some noises. And then we go back to the fantasy village where Claire meets up with her family, including her mother and her brother. <laughs> the scenes are this quick. And then like, back to Jason cut, Statham, yeah. where he's now surrounded by Krug and fighting them. And he's, like, super proficient at combat for a guy he's... whose name is Farmer. No wonder Ron Perlman wanted him to join the army. Claire, <laughs> back to her, 
Yep. She has some dinner and chit-chats. And we learn that her father is at a bell tower, and wouldn't it be fun to go see that? Yeah, it's really good to, like, like introduce characters and set up while the audience is worried about what's happening in another scene with a really tense fight. Oh, speaking of that fight, Jason Statham then kills all the Krug at his farm and moves on to killing Krug at Ron Perlman's place, which is on fire. So, back to Claire, because I know you're really interested what's happening over there yeah like like the mood whiplash of this is so exciting she's watching a wedding from the bell tower with her dad (laughs) and the kid and she sees a bunch of krug moving to surround fantasy village all right see now 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 the tone of the film is consistent and so she sends her dad with the kid and stays behind to warn the village by ringing the bell hey yeah you know what we're missing? What are we missing? We we don't know what's going on at the castle right now. Oh, that's a good time. It's a good time to cut back to the <laughs> castle with those characters we met for thirty seconds. Well, one of them, because the other ones with a completely new character that we've never met and aren't properly. Tr- well, no, we did. We did meet. He was there. He's the one who brought. He was standing there when the news was brought of the armed Krug attack. But he's not properly. Kill me. <laughs> This movie, by the way, is a hundred times funnier to talk about than see. Like, you hear us laughing and making our great jokes, and you might think, wow, that's such a fun film. I could watch that with my friends and we could all crack wise. No, it doesn't give you any material. We're having to, like, we're spinning gold from nothing We're experienced professionals. Do not try this at home. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh... So, yeah, we go back to the castle, and Lily Sobieski is sparring with Commander Brian White <laughs> and complaining about how her dad won't let her join the army. And so I, I can totally see why you would think she's the king's daughter from this uh-huh. conversation. Because it doesn't clarify who her father is in this conversation. And this wouldn't be a bad time to have done it. Yeah. She could have just said, my father. The Magus. Yeah. Done. My father, who isn't the king, my father Gimli, said I can't be in the army. Um, and then Matthew Lillard shows up to be a dick. Yeah, now we learn he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He, com- he orders the commander to deal with the king, uh, the, the Krug problem at Fantasy Village, which is, like, yeah. really bad, right? And, and, and can I... Is he trying to do an English accent, Matthew Lillard? Or is he just doing, like... I'm keeping my American accent, but adding a fantasy lilt to it. Well, it's not a British accent that he's doing. We know no, that. It's not British, but there's something about it. it, it it's almost like a, like a bad D&D DM doing an NPC. <laughs> but he's not very good at voices, so he just changes his normal one a bit to what sounds vaguely fantastical. He's, I mean, he sounds drunk, but he's clearly not drunk. So everything's just slurred and weird while he's still got his typical manic energy. It's an <laughs> odd performance uh, as Matthew Lillard plays the aptly named Duke Fallow. It's, and, and, and I, it, he's supposed to be someone who just, like, on appearance alone, you know, is not going to deliver the kind of respect that wants to engender respect in kind. 
Yes. Again, you you if you've seen other fantasy films, you look at him and go, okay, he's the guy who wants to usurp the throne, but he doesn't actually have anybody's respect. And he's a more interesting version of that, maybe, than we sometimes see. In in fairness, in fairness, like as much as I'm making fun of Lillard, um, who I do like a lot, he actually uh, he tries to put in a performance here of some he puts kind. In, he puts in a strange performance, but one that is uh, fascinating to watch in its strangeness. Uh, and and he he is cast well in a villainous role. He does the whole slimy snake thing very well. The all talk and no action kind of cowardly star screamy type guy. Yep. He does well in it, and and to the film's credit, as you say, he is a more they do more with him than most movies would with that sort of stock character. Yeah. Yeah, he's in it for a surprisingly long time. I thought he'd get killed off fairly yeah. quickly. Yeah. And I they did. tease it more than once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They... So, uh, let's see. Where were... Oh, yeah. He was being a dick. Uh, sends the commander to deal with the Fantasy Village issue. Now, Jason Statham and Ron Perlman have shown up at Fantasy Village by this point. Yes. And Claire is ringing the bell still. Like, I'm not sure what the timing is. Like, what's the distance? How? They had to deal I don't with, know. And, and the... <clears throat> okay. All right. I, I'm, just, I'm going with it. I'm going with it, right? Yeah. Like, She's, again, like, like you just... You can't question these things. Disbelief, these people need to be in this scene. My disbelief is suspended. It's fine. She's ringing the bell. She's ringing the bell. Okay. Jason Statham and Ron Perlman arrive at mm-hmm. uh, in her parents' house. And now the tower's on fire. Yes. Okay, my, I, like, there's there's a limit. I have a limit. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's suddenly on fire. And, like, buildings, really on fire. Not buildings in the fire. mystical kingdom of Ebb just spontaneously combust. It's a known problem. They've, they've, they've petitioned Burt Reynolds to fix it, but he's like, nah, dog, I've got to train my ninja squad. <laughs> uh, so Jason Statham... Leaves with Claire Forlani's brother, Will Sanderson. Now, Will Sanderson is our uh, returning, uh, our returning bull, our ah, figure. Yes. Uh, yes. He was in um, what was that other bad fantasy one we watched of bulls? Um, we watched Blood Rain. We watched. Uh... God, I can't even remember. I can't even fucking remember. He's in another one of them, and I think he's also in. What's his uh, name again? Uh, it's Will Sanderson. He's in the the House of the Dead, I believe. In one part, it, it, it has a part in that, and he's in one of the other fantasy ones. Okay, yeah, it's him. He's the other one I was trying to talk about. He's the main star of Rampage. Oh, okay. He's he's one of Bowles boys. <laughs> Um, he's been in multiple ones, as is the the protagonist from Postal, who will show up as a villain in one of the Blood Rains. So he joins up with, with Jason Statham and Ron Perlman to go rescue Claire, his sister. Yeah. And uh, oh, sorry, I, I I know we gotta get through this, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm just looking up his his Wikipedia, and yeah, most of his Wikipedia is about Overball. <laughs> Uh, Will Sanderson, he's known for having a long relationship with director Uwe Boll, having appeared in most of his video game-based movies. So he's been in House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark, Blood Rain, and In the Name of the King. Oh, God. We so we, we'll get Alone to see him in Alone in the Dark. Yes. Uh, he played the leading role in Uwe Boll's horror movie Seed, alongside Michael Perret and Ralph Mola. 
He is now an attending emergency medicine physician, medical educator, and podcaster. Hey, good for him. Uh, so, he, so he did something with his life after all. That's good. Uh, I, might, I might listen to his podcast, see yeah. what it's like. Yeah. I hope it's not racist. I've got no reason to believe it is, but you just you by just association. Hope. You just hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you. If he can stomach Uwe Ball, he might be racist. <laughs> I'm not saying you are, Mr. No. Sanderson. No, no. I'm actually a fan of your work as someone who likes uh, B-movies and things. I thought you were very good in um, that one movie where you got your ass out. I think it was Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, was he? I think you were in that, and I think you got your ass out. Like, you were a, a survivor of, of Elm Street, and they, they put you in a psychiatric hospital, I think. Did you do that? I don't know why I'm directly addressing you, <laughs> Will. For some reason, I think you might be listening. Um, which I'm not... I don't intend that as an insult. I just think you might have listened this far to get to your bit. Um, and and it's not a good role you have in Dungeon Siege in the name of the king no, and the Dungeon really. Siege tale. Uh, especially because you're introduced as as the the lady lead's brother in passing... Very easily missable. I did catch that one. Good. But good. It, it is very like, you know, I'm going to go save her. You don't get to save her. I am because I'm in love with her and I'm her husband. And then he's like, I'm her brother. And then he just follows. Well, he was there at the meal that she had. Yeah, but I was too busy thinking about the well, other scenes. Exactly. You could have missed it because <laughs> it, it, it fell in between Jason Statham fighting Krug and you were so busy thinking about Jason Statham fighting Krug. Yeah, exactly. That's, that, see, it's like, it's like it teaches itself what the problems are. <laughs> Fuck everything. <laughs> so, uh, we discover that one of the horse-mounted Krug is being controlled by Ray Liotta with magic. And, like, he's seeing through its eyes. And in the fighting, Jason Statham kills it, and black smoke comes from its eyes, which Ray Liotta seems to find, like, delightful. He gets a real kick out of it. He's really amused. He loves it. That his... Okay. Like the, I don't know how I, he's doing that. Like, it looks... The way they film it and the way, like, they show it him is looking odd. through the Krug's eyes, I don't know how he's managing it. Like, that would confuse the shit out of me. There's a strange, like... They, they, he's not looking directly through its eyes. It's like he's playing a video game with real people. Right, yes, yes. And he seem, he makes motions. Like, he'll move forward, you know, or he'll wave his arm, and it's supposed to be, like... it's. It's not really one-to-one at all. It's nowhere close. And and I don't understand why he's doing it that way. It's no wonder Jason Statham keeps killing him when he's puppeteering one of these things. It, 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 but it's strangely shot. It's strangely... Like, I understand that that's what he's doing, but I yeah. don't understand why, why it's conveyed to me in this way. Yeah, like, they could have just had him look directly through someone's eyes, but it's this weird setup. And also... He always manages to possess a Krug that's wearing that, like, really shitty knockoff Sauron armor. Which makes me wonder, like, is he undressing the same Krug, like, the last Krug that killed? Is he taking all their clothes off and putting them on? Or has he got a reserve of, of nicely armored Krug? Well, nicer. Nicer armored Krug that he trots out. I think that's it, yeah. I mean, now, 
you know, not to get like too deep into the nuts and bolts of, you know, um, of quantum mechanics and the power of magic and so forth. But my assumption yeah. is that these uh, it, it would be impossible to fully control all of the Krug, right? Mm-hmm. So what you do is you give them a sort of, you, you, you put a little baseline control into them and you operate on a spoken hub system. With... Like a sort of hive mind network. Right, so right. So he, he's like a central point, almost like how the Tyranids operate in, in uh, Warhammer 40,000. Right, so he's, trans- yeah, he's communicating through these commanders that he's issuing more complex commands to that are then disseminated through the hive group below. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's entirely possible that we've just spent more time thinking about it than the writer of the script. I don't know. I think I think we absolutely have. And actually come up with a, a more interesting villain as a kind of hive mind termite situation um, than Ray Liotta doing a weird being John Malkovich with a party patroller. <laughs> so the Krugs start abducting people amidst the fighting. Oh. I, I wanted to bring up the fighting, uh, and we because we, we did sort of so did I actually yeah it. and and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the fighting because most of it's not very interesting. But um, if if you saw House of the Dead, you can really see a lot of inspiration taken from the combat in that and and the monster design. Like it looks like he was given a sixty million dollar budget. And decided to use all like nothing more advanced than the techniques that he used for his like ten million dollar yeah horror film yeah well the the interesting result and I was thinking of this when I watched the the Krug attack on the Hobbit Shire mm-hmm. um, and and I I related this to Blood Rain and his other work his fights occupy a strange niche. Because they are too small to be considered impressive, big-budget, movie-grade battles. Right. But they're too big to look like shitty, bad-budget fight scenes. They occupy this weird space of just competent enough. Well, and, and this one has a, you know, there, there are, like, two types that Bull does also. He has the big, massive, epic-scale... Um, encounter that is a lot of cuts. Uh, thankfully, this one has no slow mo. Yeah, yeah. He does. He when he does big fights, they're very close up, quick cuts, so you don't see how few people are actually there. Right. But this one actually does have a lot of people. Like there was budget here, and it shows. Like yeah, yeah. The, it's just, but this... again, like like just enough budget to convey what's happening, and nothing beyond that. And then you have, but then you have these intimate fights that are usually in smaller spaces, and um, the first one of these that I like, I really paid attention to was in the barn when Jason Statham and Ron Perlman are first fighting together, mm-hmm. and Jason Statham kicks one of these guys, and there's this puff of dust, this dust cloud, comes up off the enemy. And I was like, holy shit, it's just a dried out zombie. He just did it again. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they are. And, it's, and they're all just painted down weird outfits. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Like I've seen. I had to Google image search to look at them close up, and they're terrible. Like gorilla, they're basically like sh- shaved gorilla costumes, <laughs> and they look they 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 look like dried turds, like like slapped onto a a person's frame. Yeah, and then they slipped a gorilla mask on. <laughs> so anyway, it's the combat. The, the combat sequences are 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 cheaply made. Mm-hmm. Um, not very interesting. And always worth looking at the backgrounds, though, to see the extras who were given no direction. Yeah, and, and are just messing about. And bless their hearts, they try. Yeah, they do. Uh, so th- th- I swear, there's one. There's one villager who's like can't decide whether he needs to fight a krug or run away from a krug. <laughs> and there's this weird exchange where he's like he combats a little bit and then just flees. Well, and, and I don't think anybody in the background ever. Like, very rarely do they actually in. Engage in something that would be combat. They always seem like they're about to mount an attack, or they're about to defend from an attack. <laughs> Never seems to be one executed <laughs> because they don't want to upstage whatever the action is going on in the foreground. Yeah, and the the action in the foreground is always competent. It's always serviceable action. Right. Yeah, it, it's fine. Uh, so the bell tower collapses as Jason Statham helplessly stares at it. Uh, and then he goes back to his in-laws and watches another Leota-controlled Krug kill Claire's mother and grandfather. So that's fun. Uh, it's really sort of, it's just sort of piling on the shit right now. Uh. Yeah, yeah, Ray Leota is a real dick here. Uh, the kid escapes. Uh, but Leota Krug pursues it. While Jason Statham has to fight the half dozen other baddies in the room. And boy, it seems every time he tries to leave, there's another Krug in the doorway. And it's always the way. It's always you wait ages for a Krug and then like 50 come at once. <sighs> Unbelievable. It's a fucking sham. So suddenly, the Krug retreat, though the Leota Krug still tracks down and murders the kid. Yeah, um, little boy dead. Don't worry about him no more. Uh, Jason Statham's having a really, really bad day. As he's had, a be- he's, he's had better days. It's evidenced by yeah. the look of great sadness and loss on his face as he bundles up the corpse of the boy and then, in an interesting musical direction choice, and, and pacing choice in general, mm-hmm. the score starts to pick up tempo. As Jason Statham and Will Anderson fill in this hole faster and faster, like like they're like they're, and then it just stops when they're done. Yeah, that put, scene's over now. Putting a stone, putting putting a last stone on the grave, and it's done. You know, just like dig, 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 dig. It's, it's so weird. It's so strange. It feels completely out of place, and I didn't know what they were doing. Yep. So confused. Um. So Jason Statham, Ron Perlman, and Will Sanderson all come to the realization that Claire Forlani might still be alive because her body hasn't been found. Yep. Um, in what looks like a basement, but, I mean, everything looks like a basement in medieval fantasy, uh, Matthew Lillard confronts Ray Liotta about the Krug attack, revealing that they've been in cahoots! <gasps> what a shock! Uh, Ray Liotta, in return... Uh, asks for some intel on Jason Statham for reasons. Well, because no. he's the only competent person he encountered out in the thing he was doing, I guess. Um, 
King Burt Reynolds. It's still funny. Yeah. Goes to Fantasy Village to recruit soldiers. But Jason Statham ain't having none of that bullshit. He leaves Mm -hmm. to go find the captured villagers himself. And Will Sanderson goes with him. And Ron Perlman decides to go too. Why not? And then John Reese davies recognizes Ron Perlman and tries to convince Jason Statham to join the King's army with some cryptic magic bullshit. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah, he doesn't feel like explaining things properly. Yeah, and, and, and because he chooses not to explain things properly, like, if he'd explained the reasons for why he was suggesting this, I don't know, maybe Jason Statham would have, like, thought, hey, resources, I can accomplish my goals this way. But no. No. The trio, this being um, Will and yeah, interestingly, they like they set it up and 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 you're gonna think at this point, oh, these are the three heroes of the film that yeah. are gonna be with us till the end. But the the movie really does decide on a whim at times to just change protagonist lineup. Well, the thing is, is that like Ron Perlman and Will Sanderson. Neither of the two are really important other than to have someone for Jason Statham to not talk to. Yes. They don't do anything. Like, Will Sanderson especially. That's why you need two of them, too. You need to have them so they can talk to each other about how Jason Statham doesn't talk to either of them. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Make your movie 90 minutes instead of two hours and seven. Just a thought. Yeah, yeah. And and if you've got, you know, a talent like Ron Perlman, give him a role with an actual character. Give Like, give him a character to play. Don't just tell him to hold a sword and walk. And and Will Sanderson also, I, I find him quite talented. And I think he, he he's better than stands there. <laughs> Which is his character. Stands there, walks as a bit of a fight sometimes. So Jason, Ron, and Will uh, arrive at a gorge. And they zipline across it in a highly comical sequence. Uh, Jason Statham makes it across easily. uh, And he was even encumbered by additional baggage. Yeah. Emotional as well as physical. But Ron Perlman and Will Sanderson, they go one immediately after the other, and they wind up sliding into each other and falling to the water below. And it's it's hilarious. But it doesn't seem to actually cost them anything because it it apparently was really easy to get down to that water. Yeah. So why did... Fuck this movie. (laughs) I'm going to start sniffing glue while you talk. Yeah, do that. Do that. That seems, that seems wise. Uh, I'm just going to abuse solvents for a bit. King Burt Reynolds returns to the <laughs> castle to discover there's only one guard on duty. And Matthew Lillard is fondling a woman on his throat. He is. He does this. I forgot this. He does. After he's chided. Matthew Lillard. I, lo- goes, I actually love this scene where he's crawling on the floor and toadying up to the king. Just, the king, just groveling. Just, yeah, watching Matthew Lillard crawl like a dog off of Burt Reynolds's throne is just. I will give this film that. Yep. It has that scene, and that is almost worth watching. Yeah, it was. He he grovels well. 
it was yeah, it was like he, it was good. I'd love to see him play this exact character in a better film, like in a, a properly I, dramatic, could, you know, like a yeah. like a, a period uh, political drama. Yeah, as the as toadying, the, mm. the slimy. Like if he could do a better British accent, I would s- love to see him on Game of Thrones or something. Well, it's been it's been ten years. Maybe his British accent's gotten better. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a voice actor now. Maybe he's practiced. Or maybe he wasn't, again, maybe he wasn't even trying to do an accent in this, and he, he was just being weird. I don't know. I want to ask there him. There are I'm so tweet many at him. mysteries. I'm going to tweet at him right now. Let's see if he's got a Twitter. Um, you carry on with the thing. Yeah, okay. Um, so, after he's chided, Matthew Lillard goes to Ray Liotta, and he whines that his treason isn't happening fast enough. So Ray Liotta graciously agrees to kick up the timetable and then magically appears back in Lily Sobieski's bedroom. Uh, this leads to a, an argument when she starts to think that maybe she ought to little, know a little more about the guy she's taking meat deliveries from. And Ray Liotta leaves like as quickly as he came. Uh, Matthew Lillard comes back to Burt Reynolds and does a little more sucking up. And Burt Reynolds shares his breakfast with him. Uh, Jason Statham and crew f- travel... Oh, yeah, he eats that breakfast just as disgustingly yeah. as he does the chicken. Yeah, yeah, it's- Matthew Lillard, like, for some reason, has to eat food disgustingly in this film. I guess to show... How disgusting what a- the character is? Yeah, yeah. It, it works, actually. It I mean, th- It is gross. Uh, Jason Statham and crew travel through the fantasy forest where they get lost... And trapped by a group of AWOL Cirque du Soleil performers, led by Kristana Loken. Uh, yeah, who are just here for us again. It's one of those scenes that are really short and has no narrative purpose other than to say, here are exist. some characters that exist. Yeah, because they threaten yeah. them and then let them go without consequence and then even guide them to where they want to exit the woods. Like... <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> It's it's a uh, here yeah here are some characters that's that's their role they're vaguely threatening they can make vines but they're not move. threatening because they just they they're helpful they're like, yeah get out of our forest here let me show you the way it's a weird thing I, actually this when I started seeing fucking green l- f- fucking leaf wearing elf looking oh, people I actually. Outfits. Out loud, I just went, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they're like, they're like Peter Pan's Lost Boys. I was going to that's it. I was trying to remember what they were called. Fucking Lost Boys. But they're, but and they're all so women. Crin- yeah, it's so cringy. They're like non-threatening Amazons. Yeah. Dancing down from their fucking vines in ballerina poses. So, f- it's so, de- it's, I would classify it as desperate fantasy. So Lily Sobieski tries to talk to King Burt Reynolds, but he has a senior moment that everyone in the kingdom seems to have sensed and collapses. Everybody senses when the... Why does everybody sense when the king... Like, there is... Okay. So there is an un... Uh, a not, they don't explain this until, like, the last 20 minutes of the movie. That apparently there is some kind of connection between people who 
wield magic, and the royal bloodline. Like, you can only be a magus if you serve a king. There's some sort of rules for magic that relate in this way. Yeah, some something. And it, that, that's how I tip a, that's how I would describe it. Something about magic and and the kings. But this is why like it seems so strange. Like good guys, bad guys, doesn't matter who it is. The king, you know, like feels the effect of something and everybody seems to know. Like immediately senses something's wrong. Yeah. Uh it's really weird. So uh oh, and Matthew Lillard's not feeling so great either. It turns out Ray Liotta poisoned the king. Uh, and he gives Matthew Lillard the antidote and then tells him that he owes him a favor. Yeah, he's like, oh, I, I just saved your life. He's like, no, dude, you, you nearly accidentally fucking killed your golden goose because you need someone to ascend the throne here, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like, how dumb do you have to be? Why didn't you tell him? Stay away from the food for a while. Yeah, yeah, like I poisoned breakfast, dude. <laughs> like, with that, That's all it took. Yeah. All it would have taken. John Reese Davies returns to the king, determines that he's been poisoned, and uses magic to try and save him. Uh, he then learns that Matthew Lillard has fled the castle and taken a couple of regiments with them, leaving them poorly defended. He takes like two thirds of the army. Like, yeah, yeah, like, like. <sighs> The castle where Matthew Lillard was fondling the lady had one guard and he has to keep going to town to recruit soldiers and he's getting Ron Perlman to do it door to door like an Avon salesperson. And, and it makes me wonder, like, like, how many guards does this kingdom have? How, wh- how big is this army? Is it 30 dudes? <laughs> is it 30? Do- like, no wonder Ray Liotta could walk in and convince people he belongs in this fantasy world. They're terrible. Well, and then here's the hat trick. His own daughter, Lily Sobieski, gave Ray Liotta the ability to access their family's magical bloodline with his pork wand. So... Yeah, yeah, because he took it somehow. I'm not sure. With his pork wand. Why is he in the castle? Why is who in the castle? Ray Liotta. Or is he? I th- yeah, or is he somewhere I think he's else? Living in like he's hiding in a basement room in the castle. That in so he's hiding. Knows he's there. Yeah. Yeah. So the ki- King Bert Reynolds doesn't know Ray Liotta lives in his castle. Well, he later. But Ray Liotta, he later does leave and goes to the the stronghold. Yeah, he goes later, but yeah. for a lot of the film, Ray Liotta is just squatting. Yeah, it seems that way. And the king doesn't know he's there. It's a big castle. Yeah. It's a big castle, and, and, and apparently there aren't many people there. No, no. So it is easy to just get lost. Needs needs a lot of guards. Need a lot, a lot of defense, but uh... more than one. I've never heard of a castle with a single guard. <laughs> well, no, and that, was, that t- was no, that was the the doing of Matthew Lillard. He sent away know, all of the. Yeah, why? Uh, I don't know. So he could fondle that woman in private. I'm so confused. <laughs> Ow. My head, ow. Uh, so my, my psyche hurts. So reaching the edge of the woods, Jason Statham and crew find the Krug camp. Uh, and Will Sanderson and Ron Perlman disguise themselves as Krug. Uh, Jason Statham apparently doesn't need a costume. Like, they didn't bother to ta- take out a third Krug and dress him. Um, they all look for Claire among the prisoners, and they're all immediately caught. Uh, now, King Burt Reynolds 
<laughs> orders an attack before getting some crucial details about their diminished troop strength. <laughs> like, he orders the attack, then finds out that he only has a third of his soldiers. But that nobody reassesses anything. Uh, and then he finds out that he's going to die soon. So, good day for the king. Yeah. Uh, Everyone's having a bit of a shit time at the moment. Uh, amassed at the castle walls, Commander Brian White addresses the uh, the troops and hypes them up for combat. And then King Bert Reynolds shows up to lead them off to fight the Krog, despite his, you know, recovering from a poisoning. Fuck. I mean, I... I... It is always found, I've always found it fucking strange, these kings leading their own armies into battle. Yeah, it doesn't really happen. I wouldn't think so. Why would you the do that? The only time it was believable was in Braveheart, when the king was right at the back, firing arrows into his own men, because they had reserves. Yeah. Which was an awesome scene, and, and proper, that's how you do villainy in, like, medieval times. You don't have Ray Liotta... Doing a fantasy version of the Oculus fucking rift. So, I mean, this scene is here because it needs to be. It's it's not because it's inspiring in any way, shape, or form. It, yeah. It's just bleh. Uh Ray Liotta, meanwhile, is using a Krug to try and interrogate Jason Statham, hanging him by the neck from a tree. But Jason Statham won't be defeated so easily. And he steals the Krug's no. sword, cutting his rope and slitting his throat in one swag. Yeah. And the rest of the gang are all in a cart with Claire Forlani. And that's convenient that they all wound up in the same cart. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what fortuitous. How fortuitous for the plot. Uh, don't, don't think about it, uh, together. It, it all works out. It's all fine. Uh, and then she gets told that, hey, her entire blood family, save for her brother Will Sanderson, are dead. <laughs> But it's okay, because the transporter is coming to save them. <laughs> John Reese davies using his magic directional senses, finds Jason Statham and gives him a potion. <laughs> this movie is so much better when it's just described. And Why didn't they release this film as a podcast? <laughs> they could ask Will Sanderson how to do it. He's got experience. Well, it- he could get them a Libsyn account. And my, my, my guess, my assumption is that this was supposed, like we were supposed to pick up on the fact that there is a stronger relationship maybe between Jason Statham and the king because <gasps> the, cause much like when the king was near death and John Rice davies sensed it, Jason Statham near death, John Rice davies senses it and is drawn to him. Hmm. Makes you think, or or it would in a better shot and edited film. Now, Ray Liotta admires his handiwork in the caves with the slaves and the Krugs, and please, God, make the pacing improve. Uh, Lily Sobieski, upset over her responsibility for how totally fucked the kingdom is, considers killing herself and breaks a mirror with her mind, but is brought to her senses by uh, a handmaiden that we're meeting for the first time, and I guess they have some relate. Well, I mean, you know. I, I don't know. I don't know who she is. But uh, but she's able to convince Luli Sobieski to suit up in armor instead and go join the fight. So she does that. Uh, going back to King, King Burt Reynolds, John Rice davies reveals that Jason Statham is the king's son. What? <laughs> he explains... 
there's, there's this thing. Ron Perlman had once tended the king's horses and found Jason Statham as a child following a massacre at a place because I guess you don't just go lead your armies into battle. You bring your family there too. And everyone got, I don't, I don't know. Um, but Jason Statham winds up rejecting the king, which pisses the king off. And then uh, John Rice davies tries to convince Jason Statham to help the king, but Jason Statham's only interested in the family he created for himself, which it's pointed out won't have much of a future if the kingdom fails. That was basically, yeah, so it's like, oh, well, we'll help him do his selfish goal because it's basically the same as ours. Uh, Matthew Lillard tells the soldiers that he'd taken that the king's been betrayed by Commander Brian White. But the king shows up, puts Matthew Lillard in his place, and the soldiers rejoin their rightful leader to fight the Krug. Now, Jason Statham decides to fight too. Uh, Matthew Lillard has the Krug still on his side. Like, they're all with him, and and he's leading them. So this losing the army, the soldiers that he took from the king, that hurts, but it doesn't like at all, yeah. by any stretch of the imagine, take, imagination take him out. It was a weird, it was a weird tactic anyway, because Matthew Lillard takes the soldiers out to the forest and introduces them to the Krug, and it's like these are the dudes we've been fighting, but it's okay, they're gonna join us. And he had no other way of really explaining that to them. Well, the, the expectation, I think, from his perspective is that the king would be dead by the time any of this, like, you know, by, by the time this would, could possibly be an issue. Like, he's going to go out, he's, he's going to unite the kingdom with the Krug and be this hero. And then, oh, no, the king is dead. But, well, you know what? We have a new king. And look, he just built a new kingdom. Yay. I think that's his thinking. Right. It's bad thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it it's bad. It's bad logic, but I see the logic. Yeah. Um and and, and I mean it almost in a way almost works out for him. Like it almost all falls into place. Just kind of surprising. Well, that's I mean the, the he's dealing with people who are stupider than he is. So really. um, So it does almost work. So Oh yeah, so that that whole gambit fails. And, um... What was it? Uh, oh, yeah, so they, they they start the fighting with this the, the Krug horde yeah. that approaches. Do you know what I'd have done? Hmm. I'd have just killed King Burt Reynolds and then be king. Yeah? None of this magic Krug, Ray Liotta, or any of that. I'd have just poisoned uh, the king myself. I don't know, and then why I'd be he king. Did Ray Liotta at all? I mean, well, no. Uh, but that's again. Now there's this relationship between a king and their magus, and I yeah. think that like Matthew Lillard thought that Ray Liotta would be his magus. I guess. And so, like, he thought he had the upper hand in this relationship, which you'd think was pretty obvious if he'd been paying attention in any of the conversations that he has, that he's clearly not the one wielding the power. In fact, I think, doesn't Ray Liotta explicitly tell him that at one point? Who has the power? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole poisoning scene was Ray Liotta basically saying, you know, you are mine. And then yet, oh, yeah. So... Uh, Their relationship just gets forgotten after a while. It, well, yeah, it really does. Ray Liotta and, and Matthew Lillard, like, they just drift apart, and 
and then have their own separate plot lines. So the 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 Krug, <laughs> the Krug come in and st- there's this battle, and the king has ninja. I don't know if we've mentioned this. <laughs> yeah, this is when. Burt Reynolds' ninja team appears like, they, and just starts kicking the shit out of the fucking party. Well, patrol. I was so confused because, you know, you, you, it's the, the two armies marching towards each other, right? You know, we're seeing that scene. We're seeing the Krug coming out in the forest and moving around. And then we see the king ordering this group that just sort of flips forward and they're all dressed like ninja. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's kind of... They're doing ninja shit. Not not super ninja-y, just, you know, kind of like... No, 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 just vaguely ninja-y. Like, they do some flips, they, they, and they you start, know, but they put start, their like, arms out into stiff. the forest and, and climbing into the trees and, and, and pulling out bows and arrows. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. these are, these are ninja. <laughs> like, like, these are ninja. They're ninjas. I, I, I was uh, basically they were ninja before they started climbing the tree, right? Yeah. That was yeah. the point at which I was like, they're fucking... And then the bow, I was like, oh, they are really ninja. Yeah, yeah. So basically what we've got is, is a forest where Matthew Lillard's gorillas are fighting Burt Reynolds' ninjas. And I hear that there is a marketing company in Boston very interested in making that a feature film. <laughs> Uh, so the, the, the king and his ninja win the battle because ninja versus gorillas. Like, who are we kidding? Uh, Ray Liotta that points out that he can always get more Krug. Yeah. So it, it really hasn't done anything for him. And the battle, as the battle's winding down, Matthew Lillard, after multiple failed attempts, shoots King Burt Reynolds in the chest with an arrow. Yeah. Uh, so Matthew, I liked. I did like that he failed several times. That yeah. really hammering home just what an incompetent and, sort and it's of wretch many, the many character times. is. Like it, they they show him too many times. Yeah. Like once or twice was good, yes. but then it, it like everything in this film, it just goes on. Uh, so Matthew Lillard and his crew of traders decide to uh, cut through the fantasy forest to take the castle with everybody else having left it behind and empty. Yeah, we've already, like, worked out that this is the worst defended castle in the world. <laughs> a fucking a fucking rat could come in and take over and be king, but just by sitting in the chair. And on the way there, they run into Lily Sobieski, but the tree people intervene <laughs> and capture Matthew Lillard and uh, hand him over to Lily Sobieski. Yeah, after hanging to death everybody else... Except the actual bad guy. He gets off. Car- no karma for him. Like No no retribution. Well, he gets taken Just, captive. He gets taken captive, which is way worse than being hanged by scary vines in the forest. I, I'd say so, yeah. yeah. So Ron Perlman and the other human captives are taken to the Krug stronghold, where they're to serve as slaves. But Ron's not putting up with that shit. And he tries to Mm-mm. fight back. And he gets himself killed here, I think. That sounds right. Yeah, I mean, he dies at, he dies at some fucking I think this point, is where he gets himself killed. Um, Jason Statham returns to his father, King Burt Reynolds, who tries to prepare him for the day that uh, he'll be king, which is today, because the king dies during the conversation. Uh, Lily Sobieski delivers Matthew Lillard to Commander Brian White, who challenges him to a duel. 
Um, and Matthew Lillard loses the. Oh duel. yeah, and they they say no armor for the duel. That's the rule. Take off all the armor, except Matthew Lillard and Brian White are still wearing armor. Well, they're, they're wearing- they take off. The fancy accoutrements, but he's got a chain shirt on. The other's got ring uh, armor on. Well, and I think it's because Matthew Lillard tried to end the fight quickly by uh, clubbing him over the head with the shoulder piece. I mean, that's true, but but Brian White did stop at the ring armor. He did. He left it on. And he wasn't undressing anymore. He's a cheater. He does. He deserved for for for. Lillard to try and take the cheap shot. Well, as it turned out, doesn't matter. Because uh, even though um, Matthew Lillard is defeated by Commander Brian White, uh, word comes in that the king's dead, which would make him... Not killed. Matthew Lillard is is on the floor, dirty. He's still alive. Dirt in his teeth that I couldn't stop looking at. Yeah, Um, Boy, just about to be killed, and and then the, we find out the king's still alive, and that would make him king by succession. So he's spared death. Yeah, and he's all, "You can't touch me. Bow, Imperial bow, bow, law bow, bow, is a toy bow, I will bow, never tire of." Uh, and then John Reese Davies shows up and reveals Matthew Lillard's treachery to the assembled people, and introduces Jason Statham as the rightful heir. How does he do these scenes so quick and other scenes where nothing happens so long? And, and wait, wait. And then just they just let Matthew Lillard go? Yeah, this was the bit that confused like, me. Everyone's so cause... distracted by the revelation that the king's lost son has returned and will be king that he just walks away? Yeah, Matthew Lillard, like, he's done in this film. And, and I... Spent the rest of the film wondering what the fuck happened. Because he does just go. We don't see him killed. There's no, you know, he's not slung in jail. We don't see any sort of satisfying comeuppance for him. It's, he's not king like he thought he was. Yeah. And and now we're done with that character. Ray Liotta witnesses this through the eyes of a Krug, and he's pretty pissed. Um, luckily... Claire Forlani is brought before him for the convenience of the plot, and he detects her connection to King Jason Statham because she's pregnant with his son. He's got that king sense. Because everybody's got the king sense. Fuck's sake. A plan of attack is developed between King Jason Statham and John Rice Davies and Commander Brian White, in which Jason Statham will slip through the Krug ranks and kill Ray Liotta himself. Lily Sobieski asks the new king if she can play too, and to the discomfort of John Rice Davies, he agrees. She brings the king back to Kristana Loken of the Fantasy Forest people, who also offer to align with the king out of a mutual self-interest. And they all travel together to Fantasy Stronghold, which is built for mages, so its doors only open from the inside. You know, as opposed to all of the other fucking buildings in the world that have locks. That only open from the inside. <laughs> I fucking hate this movie. The two forces assemble their armies for conflict, and fighting happens again. The humans use their elevated position to stall the Krug with archers and boulders, while Jason Statham, Lily Sobieski, Kristana Loken, and John Rice Davies set off to sneak into Fantasy Stronghold. Yeah. And again, this is what I talked about at the beginning. 
the original protagonist setup has now completely altered. Yeah, they've completely like all of the the supporting cast has been swapped out for a completely different set of supporting cast for Jason. Yeah, and you know what this is? You know what this is? What is this? This is about you know what happens when someone gets a little bit of a power, a little bit of fame, a little bit of wealth, and they forget everybody that came up with them. <laughs> but no, anyway, he's going to rescue them. It's not like. Yeah, he's on his way to them. It's... Yeah, fuck this film. Fuck this film. Uh, John Rice Davies teleports ahead and confronts Ray Liotta for a magical duel, which I want to give a little credit to this magical duel. Honestly, them like pulling swords off the wall and just having multiple swords clashing while they stand there staring at each other was cooler than, than I thought it would be. It was, uh, and they are both people who stand well. Yes. They're both just, they have a presence, they can stand, mm-hmm. and they can look like they are exerting energy just by being. So, yeah, the kind of silent projection they have. It's uh, quite a talent. And, and so it's at the end, this is, you know, the computer animated swords, and they look okay. Because uh, yeah. that's easy enough to do. Uh, really, like this, of the, like, the conflict sequences in this, this is it. Like, if you, it, yeah. this is the best one. And mm-hmm. and it ain't bad. Credit where credit's due. Uh, eventually, John Rice Davies is uh, is mortally ro- wounded in this battle while Jason Statham's invade in- infiltrating, uh, and Lily Sobieski feels it, and called to him, teleports into the chamber in order to be granted his power as he finally acknowledges her self sufficiency. It's a real dynamic character arc. Um. Jason Statham and Lily Sobieski are then both drawn to Ray Liotta, while the prisoners in Fantasy Stronghold begin a revolt. Outside, things aren't going so well for the humans. Um, Jason finds Ray Liotta's room first. He frees Claire and is fighting with Ray. And it's an uneven match because Ray can use magic, which she decides to use to telekinetically assault Jason Statham with books. But in, like, a not practical way. Like, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, you know what? That's kind of novel. Because, I mean, there's a few different mm. ways that you could really do that. You could just hit them, you know, one at a time at a time and just, just disorient them, right? And then he, at yeah. one point, lifts them in the air. And there's this swirling maelstrom of books. And I, I don't know, how long has it been since you've had to move, Jim? Like, from one place uh, to another. Uh, it's been many years. Right. Books, right? You ever move... about moving house. You, you ever move books? Um, yes. Yeah. Book- it's, not, it's not pleasant. I'm, I, I am glad for the invention of e-books and things. Bo- books are fucking heavy, right? Especially, you know, oh, like, yeah, you... like, once you start getting a bunch of them together in a, in a tight space. You get enough of them together, you got yourself a heavy, heavy load, my friend. Right. So... Here he's got Jason Statham suspended up in the air as all these books swirl around. If it was me, I'd have just brought them all in and just dropped a ton of books on Literally a Would've ton of books crushed on him. Yeah. Would have crushed him. There are many opportunities in this film for the bad guys to have got what they wanted. And Ray Liotta like just, that. <laughs> just drops it. Just drops him. Yeah. And, and then tries I'm... to pin him with open books. <laughs> Yes. Which is so yes. 
completely goofy. It actually makes Ron Perlman's chicken demand seem like serious dramatic acting. <laughs> I'm still really amused that you uh, called this whole thing novel while you were talking about him using books. Well, no, I mean, there are novel ways it can be done. There are opportunities. Like, I know yeah, the but, book but, thing but gets done to death. You said, no, but you said novel. Uh, oh. As books. So that's... I missed it. You, you did accidental joke. I did ac- that's, a, that's a bonus one. You guys could have that one for free. Yeah, that's on us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyway... Lindsay shows up and lends her magic to Jason Statham. That causes enough distraction for Claire Forlani to sneak up and stab Ray Liotta in the back. And then yep. Jason Statham, typical, typical patriarchy, takes all the credit <laughs> by delivering the killing blow. <laughs> With Ray Liotta dead, the Krug return to their normal behavior and slink off into the night. Jason Statham and Claire Forlani start making out in a way that suggests that maybe this whole thing, you know, this whole, like, being captured thing might be a fun role-playing kink they'll explore later, and then the credits roll. Yeah. I have a gif of that as well, by the way. I have a gif of the two of them making out after following the, uh, the conclusion of this combat. Yeah. And, it, I mean, like, and I, I did it because it's inappropriate what they're doing. What they're doing is inappropriate. <laughs> it's not... For the tone and the... Yeah, I see what you mean. It's not the kind of, like, oh, you've rescued me. It's not... It, it, you know, it's, it's, oh, we're going... It's not, oh, we're going to have comfort now. That we're going to be together. Thank you for saving me. I love you. It says, I want to feel your firm stick shoved down. Deep into my willing quim. <laughs> yeah, like you've sent me the gif. I'm looking at it. I mean, it looks like the moment where the credits cut in, they just fucked on Ray Liotta's corpse. Right. Yeah. He just shoved it down on Ray Liotta's like twitching body. That's what you don't see. And then after just cuts away to the window. Pile drive. Yeah. Yeah. He just gave her the sledgehammer. <laughs> Like it is, it's just, it is not an inappropriate mood or it is, it's just not, no. it's not an appropriate mood for what has just happened. That's the setup to crank three. Yes. <laughs> a, cr- a crank in King Arthur's court. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's, that's in the name of the King of Dungeon Siege Tale. That's it. That's it. Fuck. Everything. So, Conrad, did you like Dungeons... No, in the name of the king, a Dungeon Siege tale, or not? I have seen worse examples of this shit, right? There are a couple of moments that I think are genuinely clever. And there are... Mm-hmm. Like, and, and again, once again, Bull shows himself to be an ardent lover of, of genre pictures. And he tries to include all the elements, but they're all a little wrong. That's it. Like, he is a guy who he knows and, and clearly adores uh, these types of films and doesn't quite know how to make it. He knows how to mimic their behavior, 
but he doesn't capture the soul or the, you know, any of the internal things that make a good fantasy film. He just knows what they look like and sound like, and then mimics them. And like many forgeries, it is a very cheap imitation. And it's obvious. And yet somehow, despite being so cheap, he gets the budget to make it two hours long and, and hire Ray Liotta two, as the bad two guy. Two and a half hours long, because there's a director's cut of this, apparently, which is not what we watched. Oh, yes. Um, no, thank God. But there is, on the Blu-ray, there is a two-hour, 37-minute version of this, and I can't even conceive. Um, what is that extra 30 minutes? Like, like, what could it be? More walking? More more shots of Matthew Lillard trying to shoot Burt Reynolds over an army of gorillas and ninja? We'll never know, because I ain't going to fucking see it. it. It doesn't do a good job of laying out the elements that it has, despite, and that's unfortunate, because what it has, in terms of elements, could work pretty well. It, it, these are all, but it doesn't. It doesn't introduce the concepts and the relationships between these characters in a way that that isn't confusing. And if you're confusing, you, forget about it. There's, you're trying to tell a kind of complex story, and if you haven't made explicitly clear what the relationships and uh, and and motivations of these characters are like, it doesn't work. Uh, so n- not understanding that Lily Sobieski is John Rhys Davies' daughter. Uh, is that that issue right there is so poorly conveyed? It fucks up the whole movie. Um, it's things like that, and it happens too many times along the course of this movie to to be acceptable. Uh, despite yeah. the fact that I, I think competently told, this script is not terrible. It no no I mean it needs the... I, I think I, it feels incohesive. It is a strangely cast movie. Yeah, very bizarre cast, uh, very questionable editing. Everybody who's in it is capable of delivering a good performance. Some of them just are, you know, by default, just by doing what they are, they're fine. Like John Rice Davies is fine in this. His yeah, his di- like his role his role is boring, but he he puts his. He gives it as much gravitas as, as he right. does he's not, with anything. He's not given enough uh, to work with, really. And the stuff that he is given to work with is all just, uh, it doesn't require any explanation. Go with it. And yeah. so it's... Well, another thing that, that that's wrong with this film is the only character, I feel, who has any actual personality is Matthew Lillard. And, and to a lesser extent, Captain Brian White. Yeah. whose sort of long-running hatred of Lillard is a sort of arg that unfortunately never gets resolved because Matthew Lillard, a.k.a. Duke Fallow, just disappears. Duke Fallow? That's his name, Duke Fallow. As in a fallow field? Yes. Wow, fuck this movie. Duke Fallow. Jesus Christ. Which... I don't know if how many times it's ever said in the film, but you know, I only knew because it was on Amazon X-ray. <laughs> you know, I saw the cast while I watched, and it said he was called Duke Fallon. But I mean, I gotta, I gotta admit, I'm actually kind of, I'm intrigued to see where this goes. 
because the next two films in this series, <laughs> this is a series. Like, oh, yeah. I saw, I saw the sequel stars Dolph Lundgren. Now, when you tell me that something has Dolph Lundgren, I immediately <laughs> require more information. Oh, yes. Okay. The ultimate Renaissance man is, is in the sequel. The Dungeon Siege name having been completely scrubbed. Yeah, they kept in the name of the king. Yeah, there's a reason why the first film is called, in the name of the king, a Dungeon Siege tale. And I think, and I can only theorise, that Uwe Boll... Because I've interviewed, I've spoken to Uwe Boll before, in the past. I've, I've had, you know, one-on-one conversation with him. And he's told me before, like, like he has ideas for films. And wants to make movies. And video game licences are cheap and easy to get. So they let him make his own movie with this sort of official backing. So my theory with this is he used the Dungeon Siege name in the hopes he could launch his own Lord of the Rings-style trilogy. And, and he used Dungeon Siege, which, you know, is a name that has no meaning in this film. He used that as the bit after the, uh, you know, the hyphen or the colon or whatever. That's the subtitle. Mm-hmm. And in the name of the king, that's the film. That's the real title. Right. And that's why we have in the name of the king, two worlds as the sequel, which I've tried to research and I find no evidence of it. So I have no idea if he's called it Two Worlds to try and link it to the Two Worlds video game, which is, I think, a tripwire and has nothing to do with Dungeon Siege. Nope. If so, I mean, that would be an amazingly weird crossover where two distinct IPs don't actually meet. They're just linked by this weird in the name of the king umbrella. Well, it's, it's this financing. Yeah, they're linked by this financing um, scam. You see, I, it's hard to because because there are you know there are suggestions he makes these in a producer style way. Yeah. Uh, to get tax breaks, he makes money off German tax breaks. That's the. I don't know if that's ever been proven or if it's just. Speculation. So well, I, I will just I, say it's. I am absolutely sure that he takes advantage of of German tax opportunities in order to produce films, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like just just to be clear, like yeah. it, it's. But I do want to say at the same time, and again, this comes from having spoken to him. I do believe it's more than a scam. I I do believe he earnestly wants to. And thinks he makes great films. No, I, I think he wants to make the films, too. I think the means by which he gets to make the films maybe isn't great. Underhanded. Yes. I, I do think, it, and, and he's more or less said so, you know. He ex- it's exploitative. He exploits licenses to make what he wants to make. And I think in his heart of hearts, he wants... A trilogy. He wants, like Peter Jackson has Lords of the Rings, he wanted something. And I think he tried it with Blood Rain, because we got three of those. And I think he really, really tried it within the name of the king. And I think he thought that was his magnus opus. He got the Dungeon Siege license probably on the cheap. Used that as the subtitle to try and get interest from the audience. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, okay, I've got them. 
now I can turn this into uh, a sequel where Dolph Lundgren time travels to medieval times. We got that to look forward but to. But that's not what we're, we're doing do next time. That ain't what we're doing next time. Next time, we are doing um, another similar situation that we had with uh, The Last Starfighter. We are doing a movie that is not based on an existing video game license, but it is about video games in some way. It is video game related slash adjacent. And this movie is actually one of my favourite shitty B-movies. In my house, we have an unnatural obsession with Edward Furlong, who most people know was John Connor in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, but his his career outside of that is fascinating, such as the album he released in Japan, which is fully available on YouTube, and I at least recommend people look up Ed Furlong's cover of People Are Strange. Oh, God, yes, I have heard that. People are strange when you're a stranger. It's awful, but so good. Uh, so I highly recommend you listen to that. Um, I also highly recommend you watch Pet Cemetery 2, mm-hmm. which stars Ed Furlong and Clancy Brown in what should have been an award-winning performance. I also suggest you check out The Crow. I think it's The Crow 3. Wicked Prayer. Wicked Prayer, where Ed Furlong is the crow and Matt Borealis slash um, David... What's his real name? I've forgotten. Uh, David Boreanaz. Yeah. Um, who I like, who I think should be called Matt Borealis because it's a better name for him. Uh, who starred in TV's Angel? He was the bad guy in the Crow Three Wicked Prayer. Was it Wicked Prayer? I know I got to double check because that's the. What's so funny about that one is that it's about motorcycle gangs in Tijuana. Yeah. <laughs> who are so desperately trying to be evil and satanic that at one point. <laughs> Television's angel says, "Eat of the devil's food cake," (laughs) (laughs) to show you how badass he is. He's got devil's food cake. I was right. That is the prayer. Oh man! Yeah, and then in the last ten minutes of that film, Dennis Hopper shows up. (laughs) That's right. It's an amazing film, Um, but that's not what we're watching. I've I've just given a huge lead up to just me saying. Everybody go watch Brain Scan. Because that's what we're going to do next time. We're going to do Brain Scan. We're going to do it, yes. And normally, you know, we're pretty casual about should you watch the film or just listen to the podcast. It's It seems to be a 50-50 split. Some people watch the film. Some people are happy enough to just hear us talk about it and do the synopsis. Do yourself a favour and, and at least watch some clips of Brain Scan. Um, all I'll say is... The antagonist is T. Ryder Smith, who was uh, the voice of Sander Cohen in Bioshock. And hopefully that should be tantalising enough, because it's a shit film. But the scenes where T. Ryder Smith are in it are just... I'm looking forward to hearing Conrad talk about it. <laughs> uh, I, I have a very soft spot for Brain Scan. Um, and so, yeah, yeah it's going to be, a, I think, a good one I love me a good time. B-movie. Or a bad, yeah. I mean, and, and I, a proper funny bad movie. Good bad. Yeah. yeah. So you've got Ed Furlong, T. Ryder Smith, you've got Frank Langella. Uh, and yeah, I think it's a fun film and I'm, I'm looking forward to rewatching it. Uh, so that's that. That's the podcast. Um, under two hours, thank fuck. Mm-hmm. 
Ha 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 ha. Uh, and if you want to see more of us, you can, you can check out Conrad on Twitter, at Conrad Zimmerman. That's correct. Um, speaking of Twitter, Matthew Lillard, it's probably going to take a while to get back to me. His last tweet was March 7th. Uh, we're recording on March 10th. Mm. Uh, he tweets he tweets out his Instagrams every couple of days. But he does reply to some people, so, so there's hope. hopefully he'll tell me... Yeah, some people thought I was burning him. They thought I was making fun of him. But I'm genuinely curious as to what he was doing in that film. So if I ever get an update on that, I'll let you know. Yeah, please do. But until then, I think we, we're we going to go. You want more podcasts from us, check out Fist Shark Marketing. That's fistshark.com. Or look up Fist Shark on your normal podcasting receptacles. It's an improv comedy show where Conrad and I are two um, marketing executives. And it's a, a fun time. Yeah, it is. Fun and yeah, yeah, it's way shorter than this one yes. as well. So, so you know, it's only like thirty minutes. Or oh, something. at most, yeah, yeah. We keep them between at, twenty yeah. and thirty minutes. They're just a nice little little thing to brighten up your your weekday. Yeah, we we do this thing in it called editing and and uh, truncating for the the, the for pacing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. timing. Uh, something Uber Bowl could learn from. If if if, if you're still listening, hello. Uh, good and tag for your films, uh, and I do hope you listen to Fist Sharks. You can learn how uh, how an editor edits things. We're gonna go now. Thanks, everybody. I wonder if the list. Yeah, I wonder if the listeners get as exhausted by the end as I do. I don't know. Because so, uh, now I just want to hibernate for the winter. <laughs> I think, I we're, think done. we're done.